0: Get it? Let's go. It's Mike Scharfenberg, Game Plan You Today, Season 2, Episode 3. Happy Friday. Hope everyone's having a fantastic day. Uh, we got another big time episode for you this afternoon. Uh, but before we dive into that, just a couple shout outs. Uh, I had the honor this week of uh, kind of pivoting and shifting roles and actually was featured on two big time podcasts. Uh, first, my, uh, Matt Wolf and the Wolf Den podcast. Um, sponsored by Ticket Time Machine. His startup was an incredible conversation with Matt about you know ticket sales and Game Plan U and just a bunch of different things that we're doing here. And um, it was just great to to chat it up with him. They're doing big things over there. And then also to the one of our uh, Game Plan U alum, Mike Katos, um, in the fan experience, had a great conversation with Mike and Rick and was blessed to be episode 90 and guest number 90. So shout out to those guys who are doing a great job over there. Uh, so make sure you check them out, give them support, uh, not only their podcast, but their startup ventures as well. Uh, but without further ado, let's get down to business here. Uh, we got a very special guest today. Uh, he is the director of sales for the New Jersey Devils. So let's give a big virtual round of applause to Leo Cardenas. Leo, my man, welcome.
1: What's going on, Mike? Thank you for having me. Man, good to be here.
0: Yeah, of course, of course, and you know, we're all uh, super stoked to have you have you on board today. And um, you know, just kind of to put it in perspective, when Leo and I connected, um, it was over in Newman University, a uh, panel on on sports sales. And ironically enough, a few of my mentors who had the the privilege of working with Leo at HBSC uh, reached out to me about a couple weeks before to recommend that we connect and small world how how things happen for a reason and we had a great panel and had a great discussion after and i really took a lot away from that and figured what better way to to continue to spread the advice and make an impact than here on interview with influencers so thank you again for joining us leo and uh without without further ado let's let's dive in let's take a step back and for those who don't know like tell us a little bit about your journey and who you are
1: yeah you sure we have enough time or no yeah No, man. Uh, so appreciate you having me, Mike. Excited to be here, like I said. But again, my name is Leo Cardenas, Director of Teague Sales for New Jersey Devils. So that's part of Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment. So we are the New Jersey Devils Prudential Center, the Philadelphia 76ers. The uh, We have our G League team, Delaware Bluecoats, a lot of different properties, even in eSports and Elevate, which I'm sure, especially if you're on teamwork online, you see Elevate works with properties all over the country. So it's been a fun ride. Originally, uh, just a quick background I'm from New Jersey, went to Liberty University, uh, and then was able to start in ticket sales with the Atlanta Hawks and uh, in inside sales. So did that for some time, went to a tech startup, uh, helped build a company, which is a lot of fun. But I'm a sports guy uh, and I want to get back into that sports and team atmosphere. So I was able to uh, get the blessing and come to the FedOff 76 ers an inside sales manager, work my way up through, uh, through HBSC and now overseeing the director, uh, sorry, the uh, ticket sales over at the New Jersey Devils.
0: Quick and easy, I love it. And I, I know there's a lot more in kind of between the lines that we'll dive into. Yeah, some, some side ventures you had, but I know you hit on it a little bit there, and it didn't really click until you you gave us that quick uh, highlight of your journey. You got quite the conflict of interest tonight, don't you? With uh, <laughs> yeah, it's.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm definitely uh, the Sixers. Um, I, I was with them longer, but the Hawks actually got me, gave you me my start, so it's been interesting seeing both those teams go at it. But uh, I'll have to go with Sixers. We got to get we got to win in seven
0: you got it. You got it. I mean, you got the HBSC, you got the blood, you got to stick with them. Uh, but that's awesome. It's going to be a great game tonight. Um, but let's kind of talk about sales in general. Obviously, that's been a huge, basically your entire career, right? So I always love asking the question to sales professionals, because I get a, always get a different answer, which is great, or a different you know, description of the answer. So how do you view sales? And why was that a career path that you wanted to pursue?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. First off, I can't say it was this was a career path that I wanted to pursue because I had no idea and not because I didn't want to. But I just really didn't know it. And take a little bit step back. When I went to to Liberty University, I started off as a nursing major. Uh, I'm, I'm clearly not a nurse right now. I flipped over to kinesiology, thinking maybe I'll do physical therapy. So I did two years of internships in physical therapy. I said, I'll apply to PT school if I get in. Maybe that means it's meant to be I'm supposed to be. If not then maybe it's not meant to be and i did not get it uh it's a physical therapy school which is fine and i hope all those will, uh, go and crush it but i did have a certification in personal training health and fitness so i started that to me it was building relationships and, and doing that and the way i got into sales like many people you know and i'm sure we'll talk about it the advice about a break to the industry with networking and make sure you have connections and just keep knocking down doors i was just very fortunate that my roommate from college gave me a call and he had just got a job with the Atlanta Hawks. And he said, hey, Leo, I think you'd be good at this because I know you. You should talk to my manager. And then it was, you know, I had a conversation that afternoon, flew down to Atlanta the next week. Two weeks later, moved down start started ticket sales. So I did not know why I got into it. But especially the way I view sales now, like to me, sales, it, it truly is like an off the field sport. Uh, that's what it is every single day. Like the work you put it in, what you're going to get out of it. and. Every single day, you got to find out how am I going to win the day? And that is for us, like WTV, win the day. How am I going to win the day and get 1% better, just like you want to do in sports, right? In football, on Sunday, you have game day. You have to win Monday. You have to win Tuesday in the film room, on the field, et cetera. And that's what it became for me is making those calls, having those touch points, grinding, self-prospecting. So that's the same thing as hitting the jug machine after practice. Big football nuts. So I'll probably make a lot of metaphors and comparisons. But... That's what sales became to me is that off the field sport. And as I grew my career into it, I always looked up to my coaches. So then how can I be a coach on the, uh, but not on the field, but I said off the field and that's through sales leadership. So, you know, I've been very fortunate to grow my way into leadership.
0: Yeah. We're going to dive into that in a little bit. Um, but I I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, the way sales was kind of described to me when I was transitioning into it was it's like a game, like you're going to get, you're going to fail, you know, three out of 10 times it may be more than that. But if in basketball, if you miss a shot, you're going to keep shooting or is that like, so you, it's not for everyone, but you need to be able to look at it as a game and have fun and just know you're impacting others and helping them solve a problem. And you mentioned there networking and connections and it is essential in no matter what field you're in to have a network and to build genuine connections. So can you speak a little bit about how to build those genuine connections and how do you manage that i mean you have so many different people like how do you continue to build those genuine relationships
1: yeah i mean at the end it's like you have to you want to do everything with a purpose right so even when you're thinking about networking connecting like what is your purpose and i think it should be twofold one is like grow knowledge just you know and, and learn from others because there's so much you can learn inside your organization but outside organization and just so many different people so that's one is just increase your knowledge the second one is set yourself up for the long term right because you never know who you might run into very similar when i started my job at the atlanta hawks my inside sales manager hired me and then i left i technically left him and i went to a tech startup and a couple years later he's the one who helped me get back into sports and get into the photo 76ers then we probably spoke about three times within those maybe two two and a half three years but still i had that meaningful relationship because you never know where it comes long term and to me that's just like. There's so much public information out there, the power of LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, like just going on someone's website. You can go on any team's website, go on their staff directory, who's the people you want to connect with, send them a message, find them on LinkedIn, connect with them, have a simple conversation just to learn. And then that's how you start to begin to grow your network.
0: Spot on. Learn, don't ask. Learn, don't ask. Don't go in asking for a job because it's not, I promise you it's not going to go well um and and what i love what you said there about make an impact on someone right and then after that after you worked for that gentleman like you only connected with him a couple times but they circled back that's because you built that relationship maybe you commented on his post once every couple months you know what that is that's like a virtual high five you're checking in continuing to build that relationship and when you made that impact they're never going to forget that so great point there and Talk, talk us a little bit more about the sport tech, or the startup that you were, you were a part of. I know it's um, it's really growing the startup industry now and in entrepreneurship. So tell us a little bit about that experience and what lessons did you learn there that kind of helped you develop and that you took forward into leadership.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, so when I so I was an inside sales for Atlanta Hawks for about eight months, uh, and decided to make the jump into the tech startup world and. You know, it took a lot of convincing uh from my friend from high school who, you know, who's one of the founders to bring me over, to bring me over as the first sales rep. And it was literally nine guys. I was a tenth employee, and we had an investor. They said, Hey, we have an investor gave us some money to start a company. We're renting out a table uh at an office, literally a table, and uh, we'll give you a laptop and we're gonna start a company. And for me, like that's very different from an established brand. And in sports, we know like there's good teams, there's bad teams, and there was always, always always teams in the middle. But at the end of the day. Everyone knows that brand. They know who the team is, you know, whether you're good or bad, they know that brand. No one knew Insight Pool, right? They didn't know a company of 10 guys who wanted to get into the social media marketing space, you know, a bunch of engineers and one sales guy. Like, no one knew us. So what that really taught me is like, how do I get people to recognize us? How do I make connections? How do I get the respect for a CMO or a CEO of a huge brand? Because we were going after Coca, like some of the clients we had were Coca-Cola, UFC, Monsanto foods, like all huge brands. DocuSign was a big brand for us. We did a lot of uh, webinars for them and promoted them through social. Why were they going to listen to a 23 year old kid of a company that doesn't has less than 10 or about 10 people. Right? So for me, it had how to be unique was probably what I learned the most. Like I would literally, one of the things I stuck by was a three by three rule. So every time I self prospect someone, I'd say, what three things can I find out about them in three minutes? And that was my rule because I didn't want to spend more than three minutes because I had to be efficient, right? We got to cast a wide net, but at the same time, I know I can find something about them. Look at even thinking I'm sure of yours. If I looked at your LinkedIn profile, I could see you work at the Titans. You went to UNH, I believe, um, and you probably graduated about two years ago, right? So I'd probably say, and I may be off, but I think I'm correct in my subject line. I would probably put blue turf field or something like that because I'm pretty sure you guys have a turf field that is blue now to catch your attention. Because to me, a subject line is to get you to open. Uh, the body is to get you to respond. So once you open the email, doesn't matter what the subject line was. They don't even have to relate. But to me, that's what I needed to find out. How can I get them to even open my message first? And those things is what made me learn. So I did that and I was unique. I used GIFs, I did a bunch of different things. And that helped me in the B2B space because it was strictly B2B, no more B2C. So. To me, that helped me communicate with executives, with high level people to hop on before we didn't use Zoom. We used WebEx back in the day and like, you know, hop on WebEx calls and have conversations and do discovery calls. All those things I'm either teaching or doing now in my day to oh day. So much
0: to unpack there. I mean, just so take a step back. Think about it. If you're just standing in line at a grocery store and you the person in front of you, you say, Hey, I'm Leo. You want to you want to buy my product? You want to hear what I can sell you? Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna be like, who's this guy? As opposed to maybe had a University of New Haven sweatshirt on or a UConn sweatshirt or a Sixers sweatshirt. Sixers fan, big game tonight, right? And just have a conversation, get them to engage, and then see where it goes. You can't just throw your you know because that's what everyone else is doing. Like you said, being unique. Everyone else is just sending the same email, and that's not gonna work. Maybe in the B two C space that works. But B two B, that's never going to work. And I love all of that. And I think another thing you hit on is that figure it out, Gene. Right? Like you, you're a small company. Like you had to figure it out. You yep. had to You had to be innovative. So I love that. And kind of pivot and transition that now. Um, you're with this. Uh, you know, with the startup for I believe a year, year and a half almost.
1: About two years. About two, about two years. years.
0: Yep. Right? And then you decided to to make the jump back to pro sports and. Uh, in, right into a leadership role and that's you know a big you know it's not your stereotypical inside sales account executive premium inside sales manager so like how was that jump and what lessons did you learn from there?
1: Yeah so even for me when I so I went from the Hawks over to the startup and I was their first sales rep and then, from there, probably about four or five months later, I, I was doing well, and you know, my, my main role was to schedule demos, complete the demos, and then work with uh, another rep to try to close them. And like that was our goal every single time. And I was I found my process. So they said we essentially need more of you. Um, so they hired a couple a, a couple reps, and they said, hey, can you teach them what you're doing on a day to day basis? And that's when I started thinking about the leadership aspect. It was like this is fun. It's fun teaching them what I'm doing, seeing them have success. You know, I'm not sure. And at that point, I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point yet. I didn't know it was sales and long-term is leadership, but I was enjoying uh, that part of the business. Um, and fast forward a year and a half later, you know, they said, you know, I had a team of 14 people under me. We grew from 10 people to 75. We bought our own office space. So I was getting that management experience, but very different than an established team because I reported to our VP and a CEO, but it wasn't like we didn't have one-on-ones. There was no training. We didn't have HR. It was... You know we had sales force and then for me it's just like all right how do we maintain build a culture and then also like promote career growth uh within people and i had to learn all those things from scratch like we didn't have a lot of sports team now have mentorship programs management and training programs to teach you i had none of that so i mean if you ask people back then they probably said i was a good manager but at the end of the day, i think i was probably a terrible manager uh because i just i was learning and that's yep. my biggest thing through leadership is you it's situational learning i think that's how you learn in management A lot of times as a sales rep, you can learn by listening to calls and practicing and role playing. You can definitely role playing leadership, but I think you learn from all the failures. And I learned a lot from failing a lot in that position. And it was not an easy transition going from a startup into sports. And also I didn't go right away. Like I actually ended up leaving my startup because we were at a point um, where things were going well on the sales side, but the product wasn't holding up. You needed to hire more engineers. So there was literally a day where I woke up and this is Startups are fun, but they also have a completely other side where my CEO called me and said, hey, tomorrow I need you to fire seven out of your 14 because our investors want to move money from sales. You're crushing it, but we need to hire more engineers to keep up with sales. So I walked in the next day and fired seven people I cared about, and I literally cried. And I'm not embarrassed that because like you you literally put their career in your hands, and they trust you to grow their career, and they were doing well, and I had to let them go. And that's for me when I said, well, like this is, this is not just the environment I want to be in as well as I just, I'm not in love with the tech sales uh, side of things. And I want to get back into sports because when you work in sports, it's like the sixes the other night, even though I'm focused on the devils, I was at the game. Like I felt like I lost the game. Uh, Even though I didn't give it up in the fourth quarter, but I felt like I did because like you take so much pride being a part of a team when you win, when you lose, et cetera. um, And like, you don't get, I didn't have that feeling in a tech startup world. So that's when I left, I went to Uber driving. I was doing stadium security. I was doing, I'd call other startups because I knew other people worked in startups and I'd ask them, Hey, I'll find you 400 leads for 400 bucks. I charge you a dollar lead. Let me just prospect, give me three days. And I would do things like that just to make ends meet because I also, so I needed money. I need to pay the bills. Right. And I'm a young man who's married. But what I would do is I'd sit there on my laptop every single day. I would stare at it and I'd record myself and I practice. and I probably Googled every single question that a sales manager would get. Said, I want to be a manager and I want to be a manager in sports. And I would just look at myself and practice over and over and over again. And I would say mm, that question I thought too much. I looked to the left. I wasn't focused. I said too many ums and I kept practicing until I felt confident. And then that's when I actually reached out to my former inside sales manager and said, Hey, I'd love to get back into sports. Any advice that you have? And he said, build a business plan and I'll see what's open. I built a business plan. I was able to get in contact with Philadelphia 76ers and then took it from there.
0: So again, so much, so much to unpack there. And, um, I think where I want to go with this now that you brought up like going from where you were in sports and then building that team of 14 and it's, you know, getting the, the privilege to work with startups now, just being a small part of that and making an impact on them. It is an incredible feeling when you help build something from the ground up and, you know, I have to leave that and, and go into Uber driving, but you do what you have to do. And I was having a conversation with a student last week and he turned down three minor league jobs and he said, I'm not working in minor league sports I want to be in pro sports at the end of the day if you want to get your foot in the door in the industry you you can know where you want to go but you need experience so can you talk a little bit about that and um like the importance of the brand and in terms of like getting to where you want to go and maybe taking a step back and getting that experience before you make that jump
1: yeah if i'm totally honest i don't think i've ever weighed the team name for in any sort of fashion when I interview someone, uh, at any point, if anything, especially if they came from a really good team, it was always probably almost negative because to me, especially on the sales side, like I want someone who is used to dealing with adversity and if you come from a championship team, not to say it was easy, but it's, it's not probably as difficult as a team that's not doing well and you really got to grind it out or whatever the market is and the challenges are, but I never put any weight into a brand. It's like I'm interviewing the person, right? I'm interviewing who they are, what they bring to the table how they deal with adversity, because we know sales is up and down every single day, but it's not if you, if you're perfect, it's how fast do you get out of the hole, right? And how fast are you willing to recover and do that every single day? So to me, like looking at that and at that person, that's what I value. So yeah, I I love people, honestly, for minor league teams, especially because you wear so many different hats and you face adversity because, you know, there's not many minor league teams out there that just turn on the lights and they get sold out, right? Like, there's a lot of work that you have to do. Uh, so I appreciate that, and, and I actually like that, so I'd always encourage someone, like, take the opportunity you have, you have a long career ahead of you, and you can learn something from everywhere you go.
0: Everywhere, yeah. everywhere, and, and I love that. It's like, you know, most minor league teams, regardless of how your organization is, your inbound line isn't on, isn't going <laughs> like this, right? Yeah. Um, and in terms of, you know, I had the blessing of working for for Mike Abramson and the Hartford Yardgoats organization, and what I learned in my three and a half short months with them I'll take forever. Like, look for quality leadership. That should be number one. Quality leadership, especially when you're young. Where can I learn and get that experience? Logo shouldn't matter. And you heard it firsthand here, so I love that. And speaking of hiring, uh, you know, you've had a lot of experience bringing on young young professionals into the organization. Like, what are some of the traits and skills that you look for um, when you're looking to make an addition to the team?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean you're going to get your typical like hard worker, all that stuff, outgoing personality. But even that one, I don't think is, you know, we've hired a lot of extroverts and quite frankly, just because they're an extrovert doesn't mean you're going to be good at sales. Like even me naturally, I'm an introvert. Um, You know, but a couple of things that I look at are first off our intellectual curiosity. And what that is to me is that how do you learn and how much do you like to learn? And like, what, what do you want to do? Instead of just saying yes to your manager, but like, how are you pushing the needle? Asking questions why. Like to me, I get a lot of intellectual curiosity when someone's asking prepared, actual, in-depth questions in an interview. Cause then I know they took a step back, they have a purpose to each one of their questions, and they're curious. And I want that curiosity. Like I want someone who's going to make us better. Just because I'm the leader doesn't move. I move doesn't mean I move the ship by itself. We need everybody to move the ship together. And that's taking recommendations, ideas, suggestions, et cetera. So like I love that curiosity from people's so intellectual curiosity. Another thing is coachability. Like you need to be coachable. And there's a lot of people who may be coachable. So that means they're willing to sit there and listen. But are they actually going to put into place what they were coached on? And that's the most important thing. Where I think a lot of people don't take that, that next step is, hey, I can take feedback, but how do I actually apply that feedback? And that's extremely, extremely important, especially in the sales role, because at least in our organization, like we're having one on ones on a bi-weekly basis. We're also inspecting pipelines on a weekly basis. We're having conversations with our reps. We're trying to find out what can we do a year? How can we How can we do better personally and professionally? And then when we give feedback, we always say, palms up mentality. So you know you wanna accept feedback and assume positive intent because we always, the intent of this is to make you better, but you gotta go ahead and apply it after. Like once I give you the feedback, that's on you, uh, if you're actually gonna do it or not. But I'd say those are my top two things I look for intellectual curiosity and coachability.
0: Yeah, I mean, actions speak louder than words. I know it's an old cliche saying that you learn when you're young, but it's it's so true. You can speak all you want and listen all you want, but if you're not going to go and put them into play, it means nothing. They're just they're just useless words. So I love that. And in terms of being curious, I mean, that's if you want to be successful in sales and you're not genuinely curious, you're you're not going. It's not going to be a career for you. And I love that the the questions there of like push the organization forward. That's when you know you're working for quality leadership. When the organization is looking for for ideas and new ways to grow, and that's how you're going to grow your career. So I love that. And sticking to you know young professionals and you know maybe college students that you know may may have just graduated or you know individuals that were let go due to the pandemic. Like our industry is opening up now. You know we always said it's going to come back bigger and better than ever, and it definitely is. And in terms of those that are looking to you know we had a career fair at Nissan Stadium uh, about two weeks ago. We had over six hundred candidate shop. And So for those that are trying to get ahead, right, and and separate themselves, like, what are some of the things you recommend that they do now to put themselves ahead of the competition when interviews start?
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, it's awesome seeing how many opportunities there are out there. Like, it is wide open right now. I think I was on, you know, because I'm also part of the hiring stage um, and, and recruiting both internally and externally. I looked on teamwork online today. I think there's over, like, 500 rolls available just in ticket sales uh, all over the country uh, that makes competition, right? Uh, but at the same time, it's just so encouraging to see it open up. And one of the things I'm very fortunate, especially working at HBSE, is like, not to say we knew this was going to happen, but almost like we said, we're going to maintain our sales staff the entire time um, during this pandemic because we know Sports are going to come back and they're going to come back strong. And now we feel like we're, you know, right now we work in the top five in the NHL, which feels awesome. And it's because we've maintained, we've grinded it out. But especially at this point, going back to your question of standing out, it's honestly, I think it's not that hard, but only a fraction of people do it. And it's the small things, right? Like taking the extra step of actually researching who is going to be there, who are the managers. You can find probably any single one of our emails online. If you go to a team's website and you look at what the at after is in the email domain, you can find it and then what the name is and who manages and like send them an actual note, connect with them on LinkedIn. And when you put a connection on LinkedIn, instead of just sending a generic connection, type something in the connection, short and sweet. Hi, my name is Mike. I'm looking forward to meeting you soon. Great. After they accept the connection, actually send a message because now you're connected with them, Mike. Hey, I'm gonna be at the career fair. Can't wait to meet you. Looking forward to learning about this position. Out of probably hundred candidates, maybe three do that. And guess what? The first people I'm gonna think about are those three people that did that. And I'm gonna put them at the top of my pile or my list because they want the extra modest, those small things, even on teamwork online, which is an incredible resource. But a lot of things are optional, right? I believe cover letters are optional. Videos are optional. I actually don't look at someone's uh, application on teamwork if they don't have a cover letter. And when they do have a cover letter, quite frankly, I probably don't read it, but I'm going to look at their application just because I know they did something that was optional. And that says something to me. It's like, you're going to do something that wasn't asked of you. I'm going to give you a chance and then actually look at your application or making the video. But like that's what makes you stand out. But again, such a small fraction of people actually do it. But it's still small details that those things aren't asked of you that go on the extra mile.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're in a pile of resumes, I mean, how many do you get when you post a single inside sales account executive role? Like you're getting hundreds and hundreds of applications. Like, how are you going to stand out? Right. Reaching out on LinkedIn, being genuine, sending a handwritten note after an interview, which I highly, highly recommend. Yep. I think you double down on that one. Um, but yeah, so just do the little things and find out what you're good at. Right. Like maybe you're a great writer and you started a blog, like make that note.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: put yourself out there, you make yourself known and I guarantee you're going to help kind of skip to the front of that line. And, um, again, I really appreciate the, the timely, I know we're, uh, we're running against the clock here. Got a couple, uh, couple more questions here and sure. Well, this one might be tough. I know a lot of our guests struggle to pick just one thing. So if you wanted to, to pivot to maybe two or three, we got a little wiggle room here, but if you could go back to the beginning of your career, starting with the Hawks, like what is some advice that, that you would give yourself?
1: Great question. So you want one thing. What's one piece of advice that I would give myself? Hmm. Um. trying to narrow it down for you, Mike. Trying to narrow it down for you. One thing that I tell myself, especially at least when I first started, uh, and I heard it after, but I wish I got it out from the get-go so I can have a faster start, uh, was to love the no's and hate the maybes. And I think we, you and I have spoken about this before. And to me, you know, I'd actually learned that from, from Dino Nagnus, who's the VP of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they're doing a great job. I actually just saw they recently sold out, which is awesome, uh, after winning the Super Bowl. But he told me that probably about my second or third month in, I was just starting to get my legs under me at that point. But honestly, I looked back at how much time I wasted on people who are giving me maybes. And we talk a lot about ROI, but for us as sales reps, it's ROE, return on energy. Like, am I actually gonna get the return on energy on calling someone who's not giving me a straight answer? And quite frankly, I can point fingers at someone else, but they always say, when you're pointing a finger at someone, you got three looking right back at you, right? And to me is, was I actually asking the right questions to get a clear yes or no? And that was what I had to learn to get a yes or no. And when I got a no, it was great because then I can spend my time and get my return on energy of people who were actually going to say yes. But every time I pick up the call and and call that maybe, that's the time I probably missed an inbound or missed an email or or I could have called someone else who would have picked up at that moment who would have been a yes, but I didn't because I was trying to go after those people who were maybe so. That was something that I learned specifically to sales. And another thing is just like we're talking about today, and I know I only said one, but I have to give this one just to double down on it is like, is learning internally. That's something that I probably could have taken more advantage of is like growing my internal connections. Like there's so much access, you know, it's probably different every sports organization, but most of them I know it's, it's a clear open door policy. Like just because I'm in sales, why am I not learning from marketing, from design, from game ops, all those things. And it doesn't mean because, Hey, I want to jump ship and leave sales and go work on their team. It's the more knowledge I get, we know knowledge is power. So that's something where like, I think I was too narrow-minded in my day to day where it's like, how can I learn and take things from every single person, every single department to actually grow my career?
0: Yeah, and it may not even be specific about marketing, right? <laughs> it may just be life skills or how they got successful and little nuggets you could pivot yep. into your career. And it's just, again, going back to it, being genuinely curious and just continuing to learn and to be a knowledge seeker. So I love it. And the last question here, and I, I, this is always a surprise one. One of my favorite questions, if, if you were to have a suite Right, You have a suite and you don't know we can take family out of this. We don't want any conflict of interest here. Any relatives calling you up saying, Leah, why didn't you put me in there? But you have a suite and you can invite three people. It could be athletes, influencers, actors, actresses. Who would they be and why?
1: So it can't be my family, you're saying?
0: So I, well, because typically people, they will be like, "Oh, I gotta yeah. have my family." But yeah. that's be obvious. You know, you gotta have your family there. So,
1: outside, of my wife and kids, because two of them are two and under, so they usually don't count as a seat. So, uh, in a suite, so they would uh, they'd be able to come with me. Yep, uh, they can
0: sit in, sit in your lap, and two and under, you don't need uh, you don't need a seat.
1: So, <laughs> uh, they're my best friend, But outside of that, of people. Um, I say one person I really like to get to know is Carson Wentz. Um, I'm a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. It, uh, it breaks my heart to see him somewhere else, but I love how the man uses his platform to uh, to talk about his faith uh, and about Jesus Christ every single day. So that's someone I'd love to uh, to learn from and talk about uh, and enjoy probably a football game with. Another person, um, even though he's on the Patriots, I love to dive into Bill Belichick's mind and how he coaches and leads uh, on a day-to-day basis. And my third one probably a different type of coach, but I love reading his books as Tony Dungy. Uh, I'd love to meet him and he's both very big into his faith and leading and having an impact on people. And we've seen the success he's had both the NFL and the broadcast and the impact he's had on people. So say so there's probably the three people I'd want to be in a suite with. That's
0: quite the suite. If I'm walking down the hallway, that's one I'm definitely spending a lot of time. <laughs> in there. So yeah. no, and we'll, uh, hope, we'll hopefully uh Carson doesn't haunt us this year. Uh, <laughs> so that, it's going to be an interesting, uh, it's going to be an interesting season yeah. and, uh, I have a lot of – I have confidence that with under back with Frank Reich. You know, I think how do you see that, that working out with Reich and, and Wentz out there in Indy?
1: Uh, I mean, I think they're a great combination, but I think it's also who you surround them with. Um, But I think he's actually in a good position with his receivers and hopefully a good old line and have really good defense. But Frank Reich is a good man too. I, I've actually met him before, and he's, he's a really good guy. So we'll see. Not to say Doug wasn't, but just it didn't work out, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, and another – uh mentioned Faith a lot, but another really – uh who someone who met
1: him at a fellowship of christian athletes event that's where i met frank Reich. yeah
0: there you go there you go well what what a great conversation for everyone out there i hope you took a lot away um i know i was writing down a lot of notes here as well so just always continuously learning and um you know thank you again so much for jumping on and you know last thing in terms of you mentioned you always love connecting with with young talent and other executives in the industry like what is the best way for individuals to get in touch with you
1: yeah. I mean, for me, it is Well, first off, my email is leocardanas at hbsc.com. So pretty simple. But, you know, there's so much. Just find me on LinkedIn. It's easy. Let's connect on LinkedIn. Add me. Send me a message. I love to connect uh, and have any type of conversation. You know, and There's never a waste of time for me. But I always make sure, like, I'll also look at the small things. Like, if someone sends me a message and there's grammar mistakes, I will gladly respond and say, can you please resend?" And not to be a mean person, but more so because I know other people won't give them a chance or won't take the time of the day and details really, really matter. So to me, it's, I'm trying to help so you don't make that same mistake again, but that's something I'm definitely a stick look forward to the details, but I know how much they matter on a day-to-day basis.
0: Preparation. Preparation wins the day and just take pe- attention to detail. Every inch matters, every action matters. So what a way to end it. Thank you so much again. Um, you know, looking forward to, to future conversations. You're welcome back anytime. Um, so on behalf of game plan, U, that's Leo, this is Mike. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks, Mike. See ya.